Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carl's and Sean. Carl's, I think this is the second week in a row we've recorded, so we're we're doing okay. We're getting back into a rhythm. Uh, the summer's fading away. Is that is that how it's going? Summer's just starting for me. I'm going on vacation. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm actually on vacation right now but because I love you so much and admire and respect Robin so much, our fabulous producer, Mr. Robin Chan. Um, I admire and respect you, of course, too, but I love you. You know, I'll get there with Robin. I just haven't known him that long. You got to... You can't be a puppy. I mean, you got you got to be more like a cat. Make somebody earn it at least a little bit. Isn't that what Robert De Niro said? <laughs> yeah, dogs, cats don't sell out like dogs. They make you earn it. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, taking a break after this podcast. You're going to go on vacation. Uh, football's about to start. The Lions camp is about to start, and we're going to spend probably the the bulk of this show getting into the Lions in camp and I mean my goodness I can't believe it's already here but we do need to finish up a little bit of basketball because summer league NBA summer league just ended and I was out there in Vegas in the heat and uh you know you said you wanted to talk about it so whatever you want to talk about I want to talk about because that's the kind of podcast this is it's a friendly it's a friendly podcast what I want to know my biggest question about your time in fabulous Las Vegas is I'm sure you went to that. I think you mentioned it three times, so you probably got some kind of kickback or sponsorship from Catch, the fancy smancy restaurant in the Aria Hotel, where Cantonese lobster goes for $119. How did you sneak that onto the expense report? How'd you sneak that? That's not my kind of plate. That's not my kind of plate. It's not. I got, uh, no, man, I I eat off the, look, I'm not making a judgment by folks that stay in those huge casinos and go to those name brand restaurants, um, usually by celebrity chefs. I don't know that catch is necessarily, although I think it's a, it's one of those kind of places that maybe it's also in LA or Dallas or something. I think there's one in Dallas. Um, that's just not my scene. It's not, uh, you know, what I like to do when I go, when I like to go to Vegas and do and where I like to eat. Um, I can tell you plenty about that, but I don't want to bore the listeners. I did go to Las Vegas actually has a really interesting, weirdly interesting Chinatown. And um, that's a couple of miles long of just strip mall after strip mall after strip mall, all with the alphabets and the writing of whether it's Chinese, Japanese. But it's it's a mix of Vietnamese, Thai, Chinese and Japanese. And there's a tremendous Thai population in, in Las Vegas for various reasons. So that's why I hung out. I went to a little Vietnamese coffee place. French coffee place, just an unassuming little place. I, I went to a Japanese place to get some ramen. Yeah, just just regular. The the catch that's for. Uh, I don't know if you went if you you so you went to the website right, Carlos, because you wouldn't have seen the price for the Cantonese lobster. Mm-hmm. I think they bill themselves as some kind of celebrity gathering, right? Where you, the place to come see celebrities. 
look, Vince Ellis, God love him, God bless him, former free, uh, longtime free press writer covered at Pistons who works for the Platinum Equity and Tom Gores now, wrote me into a really expensive dinner last year, the year before, run by, uh, not run by, but with, branded by Jose Andres. And Vince is like, it's my birthday. Omari and I join him. You know, and look, I'm not complaining. We, we were on a per diem when we're on, uh, on travel. But you go to a place like that, and you're gonna you're gonna outspend your per diem by a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> and Amari, um, like, okay, we'll do this for you, Vince, but that's it. I'm not doing it. You know, the food is good, but I can find great food all sorts of places. Those places are they're they're not really my scene. Mm. But they serve omelets, and so you wrote whole column. Yeah, on, no, no, on no. Omelet. I went to a place so called Blueberry Hill. It, it, I, I filed one of those nights. It was late. I was done working at midnight there, so three a.m. back here, and I went to a place called Blueberry Hill. My kind of place, uh, 24-hour diner. Great name. Uh, off, off the strip, all, nothing but locals in there, and I had some pancakes. It was it was great. <laughs> it was great. So that that that's that's what's good for me. All right. Well, the 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 listener is already bored, so we need to we need to move this along and and give us all the intel. You got an exclusive with Tom Gores, the Pistons. A very owner. brief one. A very brief one. Hey, exclusive, exclusive, man. Come on. A very brief one. Yeah, he. Um, he uh, was at the game. I'm trying to know what game it was. Maybe the third game of the summer league. And the reason, and you know, the night before, he, as you referenced, he'd taken the team and the coaching staff, maybe some of the front office staff, whoever was out in Vegas. Basically, I think everybody, the whole team was there except for Bohan Bogdanovich, who was who's still over in Europe. And uh, so he took him to this place, catch, and they had a team dinner, and they talked about the goals he was basically trying to give him a pep talk saying look you know we're, we're going to spend what we whatever it takes we're going to put you in the best position and now it's up to you take advantage of it you know we got a young core and then uh, troy weaver spoke and monty williams spoke and then kate cunningham spoke i think isaiah stewart did too so that sort of set the scene or set the table so then gore stayed over the next day because of course he lives in los angeles vegas is close he stayed over the next day and uh sat courtside so after the game, he and I had a few minutes together in the tunnel. You know the interesting thing about people with that kind of money, or one of them, Carlos? So he and I start talking. I ask him a question, and he's surrounded by four or five people that are platinum equity people and uh, maybe a couple of family members. And so there's seven or eight people, but it's just a one-on-one with me and him. And the minute he talks, like everybody, you, you could hear a pin drop. There's no talking. Everybody's <laughs> staring directly at him. And I've, I've noticed that before. Whenever I've been around people with with that kind of money, there's a deference. Yes, that the people around them, right? It, it's almost unnatural in a way, <laughs> but it, but it's not. You know, I mean, it could be, it could be a feudal times, right? I mean, this is just, <laughs> I mean, it's deep in our blood and our bones in terms of human societies. But you just, you really feel it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that actually be a funny sketch, like like uh like one of those old Woody Allen, you know, sketches, whatever of a. Uh, or uh, or Mel Brooks, Bonnie Python, or whatever, you know, something like that, where when the king talks, but the court jester is always interrupting him, you know, like that just never happened. By, by the way, my favorite rich guy thing is years ago, I saw Roger Penske at the, whatever, the, the Grand Prix, and he's walking and he has his assistant next to him, and the assistant hands him a cell phone, Penske does something, talks for a second, just hands it back. So high level, I don't even carry a cell phone. You cannot reach me. You must go through my assistant. And I don't, that's, that's my dream. That's peak. Yeah, no, peak your, dream is to, 
your dream is to, to, to make enough money that you don't have to carry a wallet or an ID. Yes. Like, yes. You, like you just don't need it, right? <laughs> Anywhere you go. <laughs> you, you just go get on your private plane and uh, mess up the atmosphere. No, no. No, but anyway, um, yeah, no, it was it was good to talk to him. He uh, he talked about... How long did you talk to him about? Not for six, seven minutes. I mean, okay. which, yeah. Hey, so that's, that's I, about a sports interview. I was talking to an athlete in the locker room. Yeah, that's no, five, I mean, it wasn't... I mean, it's not... Max. You know, w- w- with a coach or a general manager, sometimes you can get, you know, up to a half an hour or so. This is an Izzo. But, uh, this is an Izzo, okay? Just the Izzo, no, no, even... Z- uh, no, well, or Ken Holland. He's just, you could sit in his office for an hour. But even, but even Weaver, I've had one-on-ones with him before, and those go 15, 20 minutes. So... An owner is, unless you have somebody that's, I don't know, maybe Jerry Jones will sit with you forever, right? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Rarefied air. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so anyway, he, he a, a few things that really stuck with me. One, acknowledge it's just, it's taken too long, right? At least for him. I don't know if you say too long, because what's going to happen? He owns a team. There are no right. consequences other than, I guess, people not coming and the, you know, the revenue streams slow down. So I guess that'd be the biggest consequence. But meanwhile, the value of your franchise gets lifted up because of the overall league and just inflation and the natural progression of capitalism. So even if you don't have that many fans in, you're still going to, you're still, it's an investment. Short of that, what are the consequences, right? So when you say it's taken a while, that's just his, him wanting to win. So I've, I feel like I, I needed to make it more clear though, because a few people emailed me wanting to know, saying, Hey, the rebuild hasn't been going on that long. Troy Weaver's only been here three years. I think what Tom Gore's meant is that, you know, he's had the team now, what, 11 years? Yeah. He wants to win. So to him, it's an 11-year period. If you say rebuild, you can say, well, that's just been the last few years. But he's responsible for it all. So but you don't want the, he, Yeah, he, so that, that's kind of, that's what stuck with me, right? Hey, it's taken too long. He, he said that. Here's the difference about Gore's why, in a way, he gets a pass a little bit, is he's, he's shaking it up. I mean, he's not, he's not Chris Illich. I mean, he's spending money. He's trying different things, you know, Van Gundy and Casey and Weaver and, you know, now McCarthy. I mean, like he's not just sitting there on his wallet doing nothing. Um, and I think that that buys you some, you know, I don't know if goodwill is maybe too strong of a word, but some patience from the fan base. It's like, you know, he's at least doing, trying to do something. And he, in your column, you quote him as, you know, when you ask him, he said what he said at the dinner to the, to the team was, I want to remove any obstacle. You know, like whatever you need to win, I will provide it for you. So maybe he isn't making the best executive choices as an owner, but it's not like he's doing nothing and being cheap. So, you, you know, you can't really blame him too much for this, right? No, I mean, what? Well, yeah, the, I think the one area some fans would quibble with is the there was a playoff edict there for a while, right? Because he just was tired of the losing, wanted to get a playoffs, and they did. They got in there with, with Van Gundy. And you could say, okay, should have, did they stay with Dwayne Casey a year too long or whatever? Um, maybe is, is Troy Weaver going to work out or not? Who knows? But you're right to your, to your point. I don't like the lions. I think for so long struggled with not only getting the right combination of coach and front office and getting, getting the right rosters in there, which those guys are responsible for, but they also had larger issues. And I think, and we can talk about this later in, in this summer, but Sheila Ford Hamp, really wanting to change the 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 way that headquarters felt and went after bringing in people that were going to bring certain kind of energies in there i don't think that's ever been an issue with the pistons right i mean to your point gore's 
Stamen Gundy was in the finals, right? I mean, he had a really good resume when he was hired. He was thought of as one of the oh, yeah. best basketball minds in the league. Dwayne Casey was was a winning coach who just had been the coach of the year. And yeah. And um, Ed Stefanski, who was a sort of an interim GM there for a while, was highly thought of. You know, looking back, did he make a mistake giving Van Gundy the front office job along with you? Probably. Probably. But it wasn't a it wasn't a weird choice like Millen. No, it wasn't. It made it sense. Wasn't. It no, it did. It's just sometimes it doesn't work out. And you know, we'll see if we'll see if these guys work out. But yeah, to your point, it's not because he doesn't want to spend. And if he ever had a team competitive enough where he had to start paying his guys to keep them, and then you got to start building around the margin of that, that means you're starting to go over the luxury tax, which costs the owners money. I'd bet he'd have no problem. In fact, he said that about a year ago. Yeah, we get to that point, we'll pay, we'll spend. You can see by it. everything else he's done, I, I don't doubt that. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, if this if this team ever gets rolling, oh yeah, it's just gonna be, you know, the spigot's gonna be wide open. You got you gotta figure, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're you're hiring somebody and and you're putting your faith in them. And it's a guessing, it's a it's a guessing game. And I was thinking about this, Carlos, and I didn't write this because there are other examples, but sports are they're not totally unique, but they're a little bit unique. And when you own or you run a franchise, let's say you own it, you're that level. Everybody that runs any kind of business relies on everybody else in that business, obviously. But when you're an owner, that relationship, you're you're fairly far removed for understanding the the sport in a in a way that the people that are coaching in front, right? I mean that 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 gap is pretty far. So you're really, really reliant on, right, mm-hmm. on them. And how do you know if they're going to be a good GM? You know if they're going to be a coach maybe because of the record or whatever before, but how do you really know? You're relying on other people to tell you, well, this person is highly thought of. So it's at some point, owners are kind of, it's, it's, it's a tough spot, isn't it? You can set the culture. You can be cheap or not cheap, but what else can you do other than those two things? Be willing to keep trying over and over? Well, you know, and that's the thing. is like, look at somebody... Uh, you know, the guy, the guy who should be the most successful NFL owner by far is Jerry Jones. He played college football at Arkansas. I mean, he know he's the only owner who actually like played the game at a high level. Right. He should know more than anybody else. And he does know a lot about football, but it's more about running business. And I think, you know, a lot of these owners have, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, diverse business interests, different businesses in their portfolio. Maybe they started whatever, Arthur Blank, you know, Home Depot and all that, and it's successful. But running a, you know, chain of home improvement stores is not the same as running an NFL franchise. And I think the owners always walk that tough line between, I, I know how to succeed in business. I know what sells. I know when when things look successful. But I don't want to be too meddlesome. I don't want to get in there. When I started Home Depot, I was on the ground level and I was at whatever, uh, you know, great and you were in charge of it and then as the business grew you hired people you 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 know you delegated but in the nfl you know in any sports league it's so hard to sit there and say i know everything and we're going to do it this way and be you know too meddlesome um so that's a tough it's a tough place to be for an owner and i think it really comes down to i i always have liked the model of owner who has successfully either started or run their own business. And that's one reason why I like Gores is, you know, he did that. He, I mean, I think he started platinum equity, right? I mean, he founded it, he made his own money. Mm -hmm. Um, that that says a lot, you know, about someone like him, you know, and that's where Chris Illich is different. Um, 
you know, Sheila Fordham is different when you inherit money. Um, it doesn't mean you can't be successful, but I don't think there's that track record of having known how to make these tough decisions, how to see, overcome obstacles and still continue to, to be, you know, really successful. No, no he's, he's a self-made man. I know the fan base has been frustrated with him at times and but there was a narrative for a while. He doesn't care because he lives in LA and right. And mm -hmm. he's not involved enough. And so this is all just speculation though, right? That, that, and that's and that's what happens when you don't win year after year after year. So you right. when you don't win, the, there's frustration and you start filling in. You fill in the vacuum of not winning, and that right. can mean anything. And that's what that's what's happened to Gore. I think people have backed off a little bit lately. I think they were shocked that not shocked, but pleasantly surprised he went out and got Monty Williams. But um, you know, we'll see what happens with this young core. He. He believes in it, but even he said, and I put this in the columns, like it's basketball. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. Nobody you knows. Could, you, could, you could substitute for that word basketball. You could put hockey. You could put baseball. You could put football. Whatever, golf. You could put whatever word you want in there. Absolutely. Whatever sport. It's, it's, and he's right. I, and there's a lot of ways. That's the truest thing he told me in that interview. You just you try to set the table, and then and then you keep your fingers crossed. You, you do your homework, obviously. But uh, we'll we'll see. It's funny. He loved his the rookie uh, Asur Thompson, and the uh, watching him up close because he's just a really mature and really interesting young kid who's got a lot of sense about how to play the game. And that was immediate from everywhere. He created. It's interesting. I was trying to think of the last time a player created that much buzz in summer league who can't shoot. I mean, I shouldn't say he can't shoot. He can shoot a little, but you know what I mean. But he was. For mm -hmm. people that love basketball, he's a thrilling player to watch, and this is which is why I think Joe Dumars was on the one of the broadcasts when they were playing and talking about the bad boys or the league or something. And he stopped. He interviewed. He interrupted himself and said, "Boy, this kid is good, right?" Just, just kind of, and that was all over Vegas for several days. And um, I mean, not the Wembenyama level, obviously, but that was kind of fun to write about. And you, you, you mentioned Gores, and you wanted to talk about that column of the four basketball columns i wrote out there that was by far the least um successful in terms of interest from our readership by far gorgeous yeah. and and it's because it's not hype everyone no, else is like oh this guy's amazing no, that guy's no, amazing nothing. was there let me ask you in the whole in the entirety of summer league of every player was any player criticized or is it all like training camp where everybody just you get amazing? uh well, like the, well this year the um you get i mean some years you get second year guys and so you know, I remember last year being out there writing a, a tough piece on Killian Hayes. It was his second year. So sometimes you can get that, but what are you going to do with a rookie? What are you going to rip into a rookie for summer league? I mean, it doesn't make, yeah. for what? It does. I mean, if they, if, if, if they're, if they're awful, then yeah. But Thompson was yeah. one of the, one of the best players out in summer league. So what are you going to do with that? Right. It's, it's uh, and it's not hype. You're writing about you're writing about how somebody plays in the context of what that league is, and then you're saying you're trying to remind people as best you can. This is not the NBA. This is not. This is summer league. This is summer league. So you got to. Right. I did that every column. It is please remember this is summer league. But in this context, it's great. Who knows if that'll translate? But I was I was um, you know, and then I wrote one column about Cade Cunningham. It's because it's to me. It's if he's great, they'll be fine. If he's not, they won't. I don't think it's really that more. It's no more complicated than that. But anyway, I was shocked with you with Gorge. You wrote something last week that did not 
it was just similar. It, did, it didn't quite have the same interest, and it was a good piece, and I wish I could remember what it was, and it really surprised me. <laughs> it, it, that tells you everything. I can't remember no, what no, it was. But, <laughs> it, but it surprised me, you know, that it didn't, that it didn't, um, and the Gorse thing surprised me. So I guess I'm making I, this, you I'm making know. this point. I'm curious what you think, because you're, we're talking about Gores and he's hiring people. Well, it's similar for us. We have a decent idea a lot of the time about, you know, what's news, what we should write about. But then there's sometimes we think, oh, people will want to read this. And then they just don't, you know, no matter how long we do it, we're going to, we're going to sometimes put stuff out there and it's just not going to happen. Well, here's the, here's the, the dirty little secret about at least sports journalism as, as I see it is, yeah, we could get a, a lot of clicks. All we have to do is write about, you know, every Lions draft pick, you know, and just keep going on the draft picks and the Pistons draft picks and the, the hype. Or when somebody gets in trouble with the law up. or whatever, breaks the rules, What right? I mean, something like that. No, no, no. Just oh, right. That'll that always that do too, well. But yeah. you just... You just write about the about promise. If you just write about the the you know potential, you know guys in the minor league system and they're amazing. And this, I mean, uh, you know, you can just keep doing that over and over. And all the guys, all the amazing people, and you will. It's very easy in sports journalism to find somebody, a coach, a scout, whatever, to hype somebody. It's very very easy. It's really hard to find somebody to criticize, give you an honest assessment, put their name on it. So. If you just keep doing that, I mean that, yeah, I mean people will read it. Is it how true is it? How, how you know, like how much is this really valid? Um, or are you stacking the deck of just you know? And that that's part of my frustration. I think when when you get draft picks every year is every you know whatever sport it is, baseball, football, whatever, hockey draft picks. Oh yeah, the the scouts will come out of the woodwork. This guy's amazing. This guy's great, and I. I just wrote about that with the Lions. We'll talk about that soon. But, you know, they pick uh, a linebacker, Jack Campbell, in the first round. Their linebacker's coach comes out, Calvin Shepard's like, well, we're going to we're gonna play our best guy. Well, guess what? It's kind of a, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking this into existence when he, when he magically is the starter. Well, we picked our, our uh, you know, we, we're, we're playing our best guy. Why? Because, you know, we... This guy's our best guy. It's a circular argument, you know, like, well, sure, right. You're already setting it up to say he was the best guy. But it's always about promise. People want to read about that. People want to read about hope and promise and greatness. And this guy doesn't just uh, jump. He floats, you know, I think I read that somewhere. Someone doesn't just jump in the gym. He floats or something, you know, like, come on. No, there's no, 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 no. I, I, you're right about, I mean, obviously that's true. What you're saying is is the fact. People, people do enjoy the idea of, uh, of hype, promise, hype. But, but, but your definition of hype is just ridiculous. I mean, if somebody says they're floating in a basketball game, what does that mean? That means, and they're not just jumping. What does that mean? That means they're hanging around. That gives them an advantage around the rim. It, it, it's a, it's a tactical, tangible, um, tactile difference on a basketball court. Uh, you could have, you could go to any sport and find similar words to describe things that give players advantages. That's why that word was used. That's not a hype word. That's an actual advantage, physical advantage on a basketball court. Mm -hmm. That's all that is. It's just like on a football court. Well, look at the, when you use the word, not you, because you, you know, you wouldn't, but wiggle or whatever. The way somebody gets in and out of a break as a cornerback, how fluid, whatever word you wanted to use to describe that. Well, they say that because it's going to give them an advantage. That doesn't mean 
They'll take right. advantage of that advantage because there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. So at this stage, all you have are, it's the very beginning of somebody's career. Like when I wrote about Thompson, it was easy to write, he can't shoot, you know, What's trickier to write is imagine what his game's going to look like if he doesn't ever develop that shot. Will he still matter? And I think he will. And um, and and that's what's a lot. You know, you got to study, you got to pay attention, and then you're saying, okay, is this going to translate? That's not hype. You know, you you watch somebody get up and get in somebody's grill. If he doesn't shoot, it'll obviously limit his potential overall as a basketball player. He will never be a star, not a superstar anyway. He he won't, and it's. That's and, fair. It's, and and that's what I wrote. And it's not complicated in that way. However, he shows, not that we want to make this a Thompson podcast, but I think the reason people got excited about him, not just Pistons fans, but just NBA people in general out there, is because you don't see that often somebody coming in at 20 who has a feel on both ends of the floor the way he does. And the plays with the, um, I mean, the way he rebounded, the way he threw his body in and was so physical. And the, and the Pistons were an awful rebounding team last year, especially from the wing position. So you can see that and think, okay, that will probably translate. You know, is it, does that mean he's just going to be a glorified role player? So anyway, but, but people were excited about, about that. Not, not so much the Gores thing. Yeah, it's a it's a little surprising, but you know it doesn't mean that you're still not going to be you know trying to get those you know stories and that access and you know it just doesn't it doesn't resonate. Now, of course, had said something crazy and that had been in the headline, you know, yeah, probably people would have you know no, for- read it more, but you know, I, you can't you can't control that, you know, and I don't know how much. Well, it probably doesn't play into it, but fantasy sports doesn't really, you know, come into play yet for the NBA. But for definitely for the NFL, when training camp comes, golly gee, everybody's everybody's host having their uh, their fantasy draft sometime soon. How does this guy look? How does that guy look? By the way, what are what are the reasons? You know, not that I need to promote our buddy Dave Burkett, but one of my favorite things that he does is definitely his uh, training camp observations. And he does a great job, better than anybody, almost, not that I read the totality of every article written about the NFL, but a lot of people do these uh, observations now. Dave was one of the first who did it, um, and he does a really good job of being um, fair, as far as he might mention how fast somebody looked, how whatever, but also their deficiencies, you know, that they had two drops or whatever. No, and, he does. Know, had worse day than the other. And weaknesses. And that's, I think that's what you, when you need, when you're breaking something down, I think that's what you sometimes need to do is say, this guy's strong, but he's small, or he's not defensive minded, but he's a great offensive, you know, whatever, you know, to just throw the positive hype out there, but nothing, but, you know, that's where it's, I think it's not, it's not fair. It's really you're not you're giving people only one side of the no for sure and that's what I that's what I enjoy most about summer league is you, you get to write and say okay this is what looks good and this is what they have to work on and and um and that, and I enjoy that part of it and and I think uh, for whatever reason people you know there's there's a little bit of interest in the team too right now because they're young and people are a little new coach they're a little bit they're not optimistic optimistic how did Gores put it cautiously optimistic that. That maybe they finally got a young core. I think that's maybe thirty wins. Yeah, no, but right, which will be third. But that it'll be thirteen more wins, right? So that that's that's almost a 
I mean, I think I wrote one of the columns, even if they double their wins, they're still not going to make the playoffs, right? So that's where the, that's yeah. where they're coming from. It's, it's, yeah. uh, but no, I, I enjoy that part of it. And, um, yeah, summer, summer league is fun, but you can't get, you can't just assume everybody's going to be, is going to be great. You just write what you see and you go to practice and you talk and, and, uh, that's, that's, that's fun. And I think people like that at this time of the year. We're going to get a lot more of it with, uh, Lions training camp coming up too. Yeah, no, for sure. Speaking of which, we got uh, we need we need to talk about the lines in your column and um, the, the fact that you're on the hype train, which is amazing because I think that's a first. You know what I mean? Although you had to denigrate the Lions fans first and say, "Well, I'm one I'm one of them too," so it's okay. So I guess that's I'm, sort I'm of sorry. a by proxy self deprecation. Is that because I've never seen self deprecation in a throw me in, in a, in a, yeah, in a, in a, in a column before? So that was a first. That was so. It was beautiful. Made me. I, I got a little tear in the eye. I got a little closer to your sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, that's great. All right, I'm gonna. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back uh, with more free press sports with Carlos Sean after I go get a Kleenex and uh, dry my eyes. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, let's. Uh, the NBA Summer League's over. You probably don't know who won the title. Does it matter who wins the NBA Summer League title? Imani Bates won the yeah. title. That's actually, why didn't you write an Imani Bates column? Um, I actually did think about that, but the timing of it didn't work out. There was uh, the overlap. But in any case, too many lunch dates. I've also written about him a fair amount. What's that? Too many lunch dates on the strip in Chinatown? Or no, no. Between practices, little side yeah, on. No, practices deadline and and uh, and all that. Plus, I had a non basketball column that I had to work on and finish when I was out there about uh, huh? eggs and the television show. So, no, I was plenty. <laughs> I was plenty busy. We'll get to Bates. We've done Bates. In any case, that's all over. The Lions camp starts Sunday. Can you believe it? We're starting a little bit early because they are starting early with their opener on a Thursday night at Kansas City. So the league lets them start their camp a little early. And um, you decided to set that camp up by saying, hey, you know, last year could be a mirage. Let me, let me see if I can synopsize what you said. Last year could be a mirage. If you look at the first half of the season, then, you know, why are we hyping them up? If you look at the second half, they're going to win the Super Bowl. You guys are drinking the Kool-Aid by you guys, the fans that you're talking to. But, hey, I think they're going to win the division, so I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Is that is that about right? <laughs> That's it. You're done. Okay. We're good. That's it. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on No, Carlos but in all seriousness, then I wanted to have a little fun with this. I mean, you you really believe in these guys. That's never happened. It's the first time I can remember. Uh, no, I believe, I've believed in them before it, during the Calvin Stafford era. It hadn't happened in a decade. Been a long yeah. time. Yeah, I think that I think that they have uh, you know, a lot of promise, a lot of potential and well, the division's a week, you know, it's it, it's not going to be what it's not going to be a, it shouldn't be a strong division and then watch Jordan Love become right the next incarnation <laughs> of Brett Favre right. and 
and Aaron Rodgers. But uh, yeah, everything's set up for them. There's there's a few change, you know, moving or changing parts here. The run game should be good, but who knows? Rookie, um, running backs coach is gone. New guy, so you never know. As Tom Gore would tell you, you never know in sports. But everything, things, things look promising for this team. So, and I, I think that creates its own interest. You know, for me as a sports writer, that definitely like, hey man, they're either going to like, you know, be great or they're going to struggle. Each, either one is going to be interesting Absolutely. to cover and see them have this unprecedented, you know, winning and whatever or struggling. Well, what's going on? And 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 I I I will say this. I'm not a Lions fan, okay? I've never rooted for them. I didn't grow up here or whatever. But what I have found interesting about this Dan Campbell regime is how they've overcome these difficulties, how they've dealt with him, him specifically. Um, and it's been a lot. I think it's totally underappreciated. But that, to me, the, narr- the narrative of how all that has you know, uh, been dealt with and they have still found a way to move forward and be successful um, in moderation, I think that's really interesting. So it's, it's more interesting to me. It's almost like the Tiger Woods thing. More interesting to see him get out of trouble than it is to just see him make a you know fifteen foot putt for you know eagle or whatever it is. No, I'm uh, I'm with you. They should be interesting this year. You know, I mean, football has built in. I was just going to compare them to the other pro teams in town where the struggle is not as interesting if because it can be struggling. But football's different. It's you know, what, 17 games now and just week-to-week build up. And I guess by the November, December, we've seen it a little bit with the Lions when they have two, three years of losing in a row. And But by and large, they're just interesting to begin with. And this year, with the expectation, you're right, it'll be fascinating to see if they can meet it or, or if they're going to struggle. You know, how much interest in there is the Tigers? If the Pistons start off 2-12, and 12, which they easily could, you know, people, the hardcores will stay with them and tune in, but they're not going to be interesting either, right? Because people, to me, people, they lose interest when it's just year after year after year of struggle. Right. The struggles in, is interesting when there's the tension of the expectation that they could be good. And that's what we haven't had that, that in a few years. Well, I mean, you know, I think what was interesting, what held people's interest to some extent with the Red Wings last year was they had a new coach. That helps a lot. This year, yeah, this year the Tigers have a new general manager, but that's not that interesting really because he operates behind the scenes. But um, with Monty Williams, the new coach, people want to see how is he going to coach? How is he going to make it all work together? You know, obviously they always have new draft picks, whatever. The return of Cade, that will be interesting. With the Lions... The NFL is just different that way because you have there's it's the you get a lot of draft picks and they can make an immediate impact and so every year for every NFL almost every NFL team has hope every year and that's the genius of the NFL is that every fan base has hope even if it's a little bit unrealistic sometimes um, but it's there's always hope and so the Lions of course not only should the team be decent, but they're coming off that. Yes. That eight and two finish and they looked good and, and all that stuff. And there are some interesting rookies that people want to see. Uh, so the NFL is a unique animal that way, but for sure it doesn't matter. I mean, a new coach helps in the NFL, but it's mostly the players, all the new blood that's injected into this team. Plus a few free agents that 
that are you know joining the team, even if they're not superstar free agents, people want to see how's it going to look. A third of the roster, um, right? So isn't that what you turn over sometimes? A third, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, huge turnover every year in the roster. Um, so yeah, every year you know hope springs eternally in the NFL. Every yeah, because year. the history, the and, history, and the the facts back that up, right? From teams that yeah. jump, oh, yeah, jump up sure. every year. There's always one or two teams that come out of nowhere and, you know, near the bottom of the division and they, they either challenge or win the title, division title, and they get come close, come out of nowhere. So, uh, of course, the Lions have the Lions have nowhere to go but down. They have to win the – what happens if the Lions don't win the division title, Dave? Or Dave, I'm sorry. I was referencing No, Dave people because, are going uh, to be let down. No, for sure. No, for sure. Well, it was a fun column, and um, I like that you poke fun at yourself a little bit. That's uh, – that's a good thing, I think, you know. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's gonna be I mean <laughs> I, I let me <laughs> let me ask you this, Carlos. Can you imagine that we're ever gonna write about training camp as much as we are about to do? I mean it's yes, it's, we write about training camp a lot every year. Some of us go to training camp all the time. Every well year, yeah, so, you, uh, you you did used to do yeah, that when that was your can be different. you used to do that when that was your job, I think. Although but that was probably even inconsistent, but um, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just having fun. No, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, we saw this with rookie minicamp, right? And then we saw it with the uh, the next one after that, I, I, or the OTA, the, well, the OTAs. People are looking around saying, "Why are there so many people out here?" It was the first day. It was the. It was, and then I I wrote about it, or I don't know, referenced it, and you know, it was it was the perfect storm of it was the OTAs, whatever. First day, the Tigers were out of town. Nothing else was going on. Both teams, Pistons and Red Wings, weren't in the playoff. It was like it was this vacuum on the sports calendar. So that that helped. It did, a but lot. it wasn't just but the first also, day because I went out two or three times to both of those, which was kind of so crazy, and it was. The f- fairly close to being that crowded a couple other times. And no, yeah, it was. No, 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 you no, weren't no. out there. It was not. It, it was. You not. were not out no, there. No, I went the first day, and I went again the second or third time that week, and it was a. It was completely different. No, I was out there more than once. It was like that. Maybe not quite. Maybe you know. Maybe a few people less. But to the point where the lions, uh, some of the lions, uh, media relations people, and even I even overheard a player walking off saying, "What? What's going on?" But a couple of the media relations people were. The coaches, a couple they assistant no, coaches. They, were they like, talked about that too, but I, I well, was talking about it with some of them. Like, yeah, this is the most combined people we've had. I All I know is I don't think I've ever been to a, a rookie minicamp or OTA. And I heard a few people, fewer media people say that, or at least it had been a while. So the point is, yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of coverage. Yeah. I would I would bet right from a lot of different places. Obviously, you want to get that at the free press. That you know starts with Dave Burkett. We, we can't be yeah. promoting other outlets here. That's not what that's not what we do. In any case, <laughs> camp starts Sunday. The season will be here before you know it, and uh, and they'll be off and running, Carlos. Yeah, what's uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Who are you? Is there a player, a position group, a coach? Uh, what, what are you looking forward to, to seeing out there in camp, Sean? Uh, in, well, in, in, it's hard to tell in camp. I mean, I, I want to see, uh, like everybody else, to see if Jamison Williams is how serious and what his route run is going to look like. And so, you, you know, catch, there were a few drop issues, and that was just, again, OTAs or whatever. But uh, So I'm curious about him. Um, you know, the rookies, it was – and fun watching Laporta, Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end, 
make plays all over the field. So I'd be curious to see him in more of a form with pads on from time to time and against the whole team. But uh, but mostly what I'm looking forward to watching Carlos is the regular season starting and to see if their defense is any better, to see if Jared Koff can pick up uh, kind of where he left off, you know, to see how the new running back tandem compares to the the swift um, Jamal Williams tandem. So, yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff to look at. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting camp, and I think uh, you know if I'm not mistaken, I believe Calvin Johnson will be out there for part of it, helping out. So it might have a little bit of a different vibe. Uh, definitely when they open up the the camp, you know the the practices to fans, you know season ticket holders, and then just open to all fans. How uh, how much more energy there will be? You know there was there was. Uh, I didn't notice a huge difference last year, um, even with Hard Knocks being there, like among the fans. They, they're pretty good about showing up, but it wasn't. I thought it would be a little stronger of a turnout. But I think this year, I, with with them being the, the favorites, winning. it's the winning in oh. the division. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much more people come out. It all and it always depends on the day of the week. The it weather, does no for sure, but it's the eight and two finish and the belief in the regime, the coach, and also. Um, and Brad Holmes, the general manager, that he have, will have found some more uh, gems, right? Because they're starting to put their faith in him a little bit. We'll see. We'll see yep. if they if they continue to earn it. It's not going to be boring, is it? Um, it shouldn't be boring. But after ask me after three three sessions. Of no, training no, camp, I know. I just I just meant the season in general. No, oh no, it's not, oh, it's not fascinating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really, really interesting. All right, well, good fun read, good fun column, and uh, let's take a quick break. One last quick break, and we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlson, Sean, and Carlos's favorite thing. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's, it's that time of the show, Carlos. We got we got to wrap up, get the listeners out, but not before we uh, we tell them what your favorite thing was of the past week. My favorite thing was odd. It was uh, there's a there's a little bit of a personal circumstance going on uh, with my family, and it's required us to sort of be in the car, locked into the car together. Uh, my, my wife, my two kids and my dog and driving around kind of on a whim sometimes. Um, so <laughs> it's been a little weird, but, um, we've had this, um, this weird bonding experience of we've had to go out and waste a few hours together, get some food, drive around our neighborhood, go to different neighborhoods. Um, it, it's been odd. Um, but it's been strangely, um, bonding because unless you go on a road trip right and you spend hours and hours even if you go on a road trip everybody's unplugged or plugged in rather they're on their phones on their headphones whatever everybody's doing their own thing but when you're kind of driving around for just several minutes maybe an hour or so everybody's kind of engaged and 
and discussing things and, and where should we eat and should we get some ice cream and how's the dog doing? And um, it's been kind of this uh, helter skelter um, schedule we've been on. So uh, it's been challenging, but it's been really fun to, to go through this um, with, uh, with the family. And one of my daughters invoked uh, this line from the new Spider-Man movie, which I didn't remember, but they've seen it three times. So they know all the lines by heart, but they've said, we've started saying a quote from this movie where we say, I've had the right amount of you people because um, <laughs> it's been a little bit too much sometimes. So, and now we're going on vacation together, so it should be even, but it, it's different. Vacation's different. Everybody kind of has their own space and goes their own way sometimes. But when you're locked in the car, Sean, um, it's, uh, it's kind of like the worst version sometimes of, and sometimes the best version of the, the Chevy Chase movie vacation. So that was my favorite part of this last week. Well, that sounds great, Carl. So I could probably say any, that sounds really fun, actually. And I like that. I have had enough of you people. Great movie, by the way. Um, it's just stunning to watch. It's gorgeous. In any case. It's too long. Too long. Um, they could have cut 20 minutes out of it. Yeah, I don't remember feeling that way. Um, but I could, I could see why you'd say that. Uh, I could say any number of things, Carl. So I, I don't know about the, about the Vegas trip not melting in the 118 degree, you know, finding a little Vietnamese uh, coffee place or whatever out in the middle of the desert. That, that, that would, that would be, you know, my favorite thing, but I'm going to go back to uh, your baseball column about the clock and how it's improved the game. And um, I think you probably mentioned the Dodgers. It's been, it's been a minute since I mentioned it because you can't not write about the Dodgers. Which is good because it makes it personal, which I, I like. Anyway, I, I I wrote a column that day too, or didn't write it that day, but that ran that day too about uh, the 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 bear TV's uh, the bear, or should I say, FX is the bear about a restaurant and a chef, and I wrote about an omelet scene and eggs and just various sort of silly things, and um, I don't want to reference my own column for for sure my favorite do. thing. But there are a couple things about that day. One is that I like that both of us wrote sort of non-traditional. I mean, it's, you you were still at least writing about baseball and sports as a sports writer, so that's good. But we both wrote what we might call in inside our business, you know, Sunday type columns, where you just you're ruminating a little bit more, and uh, and I like it when you ruminate, and um, you, you know, I would love for you to ruminate more actually. But in any case, so that was cool. I I, th I thought it was hey we're uh, we're not Sunday column material, but we're gonna we're gonna go together on Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it's okay, it's it's, it's all right. So we were kind of there together. I I like that. But the other part of this, the, the the other part of this that I enjoyed was that that column. I got a lot of responses, as you might imagine. But my favorite one was that somebody sent me a picture of their breakfast. It's just really simple, over easy eggs with some hot sauce dabbled on it. And and, uh, and a piece of toast, and they were proud of it in a way, and they wanted to share that with me. And and um, they men may mention the family. I got all sorts of emails about their nana making this dish and sharing all that sort of stuff. But somebody actually took the trouble to take a photo and send me a, uh, their breakfast, and I just I just you know that's when you know you're connecting. And uh, we you know writers are. A lot of writers have a lot of doubt, a lot of, you know, can be insecure. You wonder, 
you know, you we have a lot of tools now to kind of measure, but you still what our stuff's doing in a way. And that helps the business model as much as it can, but you still don't know, no, right? So when you uh, when you get a photo of somebody making uh, eggs and sending it to you, that's that that's okay. So that so running side by side with you, and then getting that egg photo that that was kind of a fun fun Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite thing. Yeah, it's a, it was a really fun column. I really I really enjoyed it with the eggs and the omelets and. You know, uh, even though I was misquoted, uh, yeah. Well, you weren't really misquoted; good, so. you were just uh, edited. You, you just took the you split out. That's for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You were edited, and I, I, I want to thank you for that too, because you sort of unintentionally helped me clarify something up at the top. I had struggled with that column for a few days. In any case, that w- that was really fun, and I liked your baseball column about the clock, and I liked that you didn't take the uh, the uh, you know cranky old fellow on the porch about let it play out. There's no clock. You didn't, you went the opposite way. And that was fun. Thank you. Let me ask you something, by the way, about the omelet, uh, not to drag this on too long, but I just happened to be flipping through my DVR and I record America's test kitchen every week. And they actually, it was an older one from a couple of months ago, but they actually had a, uh, an episode about making the perfect omelet. And it, it struck me and I like omelets fine. They're great. Um, but it struck me I'm lactose intolerant, so I don't really eat them that much anymore because I can't put cheese in them. And I will have them with mushrooms and onions or whatever, you know, I just don't do the cheese. But isn't that kind of defeating the whole purpose of an omelet if you can't have it? And the America's Test Kitchen recipe, they use, uh, I think it's shredded uh, white sharp cheddar or something. Uh, when I and I really miss eating cheese, I love cheese. Um, but is it really an omelet if you can't Absolutely. use cheese? Absolutely, uh, the classic French. Pep, I mean, it's a French invention, right? And the classic, well, that f- specific form of cooked egg is, but it's uh, a classic French preparation and a test of skill in that co- in that cooking culture. You know, you young chefs are asked, okay, well, show me if you can make an omelet because it involves a lot of things you don't really think about that are simple, but they require um, timing and feel and temperature control and all that. In any case, their omelet can just be the eggs with a little bit of chives on top. You don't have to have cheese. If it's, if it's, if it's, good. come on, what's come that? on. It's just fluffed no, eggs. It's not, well, no, I mean, but it's perfectly cooked, soft eggs. And as long as you've got salt, pepper helps too, but you can't not have salt. You got to have salt and a little chive, a little herb, and you're good. I, 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 yeah. I, I promise you, if you got a perfectly cooked omelet from a professional that way, and all I had was some chives and a little salt, you'd, you'd be in heaven. It's it's that good when they're done like that. You don't have mm-hmm. to have the cheese. The cheese obviously is to. great. <laughs> all right. I'll have to find a place that can that can make it heavenly you omelet for me. You probably have to go to a French. Yeah, you, I don't know who can. I don't know. There's a place in Queso, oh, it's Queso, Austin, that dumps Queso over their beautifully fluffy omelets, but that's, uh, that's you can't have the Queso, right? So. I can't have it. Yeah. But I still I still love the omelets, and it was a great call. And check it out if you don't, if you haven't seen and, it. It's uh, Sean did a great job with it. And talked about the bear, and uh, fantastic, fantastic show. If you haven't watched that, make sure you catch it. Although, uh, I don't know if that was your favorite episode, but the the best episode on the show was uh, Richie Stages. I agree. Is the I, best agree. Title. I agree. I mean, figuring figuring out 
how to get out of yourself and look at life a little bit differently by starting with cleaning forks. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what a fabulous metaphor and true and yeah. super, super true. All right. Who, great actor. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's great. He's great. But, um, who among us hasn't had a period in their life where they're struggling or even just a few days in a row. And, and sometimes you get out of it by doing just the simplest thing. Ah, I'm going to go put a load of clothes in and fold them, you know? And then, and then yep. go from there. It's just, it's a, it's a beautiful and true, true idea. All right. Let's get the listeners out of here, Carlos. We got to, we got to thank some people. We'll start with Robin Chan, who makes this show happen. The, uh, the lovely producer. Who else are we going to thank, uh, Carlos? I just um, want to thank Robin. I don't um, care about anybody else. That's it. Robin's the key. He's the kingmaker. Um, but Kirk and Crawford. And Anjanet Delgado, our executive producers for the show. And our editor, editor of the Free Press, Nicole Avery Nichols, who signs the checks and uh, and uh, keeps us in line mostly, I guess. Um, but, Sean, who's the most important person? Well, you, think? the listener, because you, you, you join us every week. We're grateful. And uh, we try to have a little fun here. We try to have a, bring a little energy, which is against uh, my nature. And, and I, I think Carlos has more natural energy than, than me, but not by much. And that's not saying, that's not, <laughs> that's not saying. His, the bar yeah, his governor, his governor's turned low by default too, a little bit, but it <laughs> yeah. is higher than mine. So I, you know, he's, he's got that over me. Governor. He's got that over me. But uh, no, we want to thank you. You can obviously find your, uh, find us at wherever you find your favorite podcast on Spotify, Apple. When you get there, subscribe. Give us a shout, rate us, tell us what you think. And um, until then, or no, until next week, I guess, right, Carlos, when we're going to be back with uh, with more line stuff, I'm sure, and some other some other hot topics. We'll see what it, we'll see what develops. But until then, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, any last words, Carlos? No, look out for possibly a surprise guest next week. But uh, you got to you got to stay tuned for all that. All right. Oh, I love a good cliffhanger. All right, my man. It was fun as always, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.